Hey men, welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of your hosts of the podcast, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. Hey, hey guys. And we've got Chris Francisco back in studio with us again. Hello, everyone. Chris, glad to have you back. Well, uh, last night was the, uh, the Super Bowl. It was uh, an exciting game, we hope. I, we're, we're recording this beforehand, so. Right. Um, but congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on winning the 2020 Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes and getting the MVP. You sure it wasn't the Cowboys? I mean, we are forecasting this, so. That's one thing I'm 100% okay, confident okay. on. All right, okay. I mean, a, a false prophet is supposed to be stoned if, they, if their prophecy is wrong. I'm confident saying the Cowboys are not going to win this year's Super Bowl. <laughs> Next year. Mm, yeah, let's hope so. Okay. Let's hope so. Anyways, the Super Bowl, man, talk about a big event. You've yeah. got events all week long leading up to it. I remember I was in Arizona a couple of years ago when the Super Bowl was in Phoenix, and the, you know the 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 crowd events that take place the whole week leading up to it. You can go down to the area outside the stadium. There's all kinds of fanfare, and then the actual game itself. You've got a stadium that's filled to capacity. You've got these two teams that have worked so hard all season long. You've got all the flash bulbs going off at the kickoff. You've got even for us that are watching. Uh, on yeah. the uh, from home the, the millions of people that watch from home and then you know the the commercials and how much money people throw into the commercials to to have a commercial ad spot during the Super Bowl because they want to capture your attention uh, of all those people that are paying attention yeah. or, and watching that I looked at a quick stat just to throw it in there to put it in a perspective 150 million people watched the Super Bowl um, and just for that 30 second ad spot 5.25 million dollars just for 30 seconds wow Five point two, five and a quarter million. Yeah, for thirty seconds. Thirty seconds, and sometimes they're not even good. They're terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times they're not even good. I remember, I think my favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time was back in probably the early two thousands. There was a baby in a swing inside. Do you guys remember this one? And and the baby, every time it swung forward, the baby would smile, and then every time it swung back, the baby would cry, and then it would swing forward, and then the camera panned around and it, every time it swung forward it could see the McDonald's sign outside the window <laughs> so yeah, it got excited yeah, yeah, about yeah. It. that I thought that was clever that was a good one but not everywhere cares about the Super Bowl the same way that Americans care about the Super Bowl right in fact there's a lot of places that don't but Chris you were somewhere recently that they're not that's not registering on their radar really at all probably yeah where yeah. was that I was in the country of Rwanda in uh, in Africa and so we were there on a missions trip, and uh, just a little bit of the background on, on Rwanda. It's a small country in the dead center of Africa, and uh, uh, we, they just commemorated 25 years anniversary of a genocide that happened in that country. So the country is in a lot of repair right now, and so they're, they're working through that. Yeah, still 25 years later, there's... I remember talking with some people that went on the trip. There's, the, it's, it's tense. You don't really even talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah you definitely don't. Uh, there was a lot of classification of peoples during that time, and those are some of the things that are no-nos in that country right now. Right, right. So what, what prompted you, what led you to go to Rwanda? Well, our church was going to go over there to uh, do some teaching on this discipleship, one-on-one discipleship program called Partners. And uh, that uh, partner's book recently got translated into their language called Kinyarwanda. And so after it got translated, they wanted to do a trip there and organize different church leaders to come and and learn that so they can teach it to their congregations. And so we had the opportunity to go over there and teach it. That's awesome. So how many many went with you from the church? There was 11 people, three uh, women and eight men. Awesome. And that flight was how long? 
think it was about 24 hours of travel time there. Yeah. 30 on the way back. So if you listen to our last episode, you could have run a hundred mile <laughs> I could ultra have. marathon in the time that it took you on the plane. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of good opportunity, a lot of goodness happening on that trip. Good, good. Well, talk to us about some things. Maybe uh, what uh, what surprised you more than anything else? I mean, going over there, you can kind of prepare and kind of say, okay, I think I know what's going to happen. But what what were some of the things that surprised you while you were there? <laughs> there there's a lot of surprises. Uh, number one, arriving into the airport and realizing, I mean, we live in Orange County and, uh, there's a lot of Asians here, uh, when you, <laughs> but when I walked into the airport, I could not see another Asian around the airport. That was and if, you, if you're listening, weird. Chris is Asian. So yes. yeah. Yeah. that's, that's the, the background, the context on that yeah. comment. Yeah. Yeah. So that was weird. Um, <laughs> did they, uh, well, before we get too far off of that, they gave you a little nickname, right? Yeah, well, usually when you go around the country, they, they have a term for the white man over there. They call him Muzungu. And I was expected to get roped into that term. But uh, as we were walking around the little the villages over there, I can hear the kids saying, China, China. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I'm the only one there yeah, that they could be, be talking me, right? about. <laughs> but um, another thing that surprised me the most is just the the people, just how accommodating they are, how welcoming and... Um, and then meeting up with folks that are there in the church over there, that we could be worlds apart, and within minutes, hours, we're as if we'd known each other for so long. It's just that commonality that we yeah. had in Christ. Yeah. It was amazing. That's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and you think about the new heavens and new earth, and you think about what that's going to be like for all of eternity, and that, that intimacy that we're going to have with people, not just that are currently <clears throat> living who are believers, but that have lived at any point in history. Yeah. that know Christ and that, that that's what we'll experience. And you got to, to have a little bit of a foretaste of that. Uh, but but develop for us a little bit more, uh, Chris, the, this concept of, of partners, because we have some people that are listening that maybe haven't been through uh, or don't even know what it is. And so you guys went over there specifically for the purpose to take this manual that's been translated into their language and see it used as a discipleship tool there. So maybe flesh out what partners is for us a little bit. Sure. So it's a... Uh, it's, um a manual that uh, our senior pastor had designed that allows people to go through different subjects in the Christian life. You can talk about, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, who is God? You know, what is the Bible? What's its background? How do you study it? What's prayer? Um, serving in the church? What do you look for in a church? And that sort of thing. So it's 10 chapters to go one-on-one -on -one with another person. And so we went over there to, to teach on that. Yeah. And you guys gave them, because one of the things that we like to see happen is that to be replicated. So if you go through partners here, we kind of say, hey, you should take somebody else through now. And so when you guys went over there, you went with that in mind as well. And you gave them more than just one partner's manual. Uh, talk about that. How did you kind of set them up to try to see this replicated? Sure. So the whole idea about partners is you want to make a disciple maker. You know, the Bible in, in Matthew 28 tells us that we need to go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so that's what our goal was there, is not just to share the gospel, but to make disciples. And so we went through this program with them, we taught it to them, and after the end of the session, we gave them four partners' manuals each and four Bibles. And the idea was for them to find someone who's faithful, available, teachable, to teach this to, and once they were done with it, for them to find somebody else to, to take part, them through partners as well. So the idea was to tell, have them do that with a couple of people 
and equip them to do it, not let the materials get in the the lack of the materials get in the way of them completing it. Right. Right. One, one thing you, you mentioned, Chris, and, and I'm going to go back for a second here, is you know you had the opportunity to go and, and teach church leaders and, and church pastors that are over there. Uh, and I know you and I had a conversation just about you know, all the sort of, quote-unquote, luxuries that we have from an educational standpoint and a resource standpoint. Uh, so what, what were some of the things that maybe you saw over there in Africa that you know, here in Southern California or even across America that we might take for granted that they just, they would love to be able to have uh, the things that we have and the way that we think. Sure. So I think the first part is um, when we were going through the, the chapter on uh, studying the Bible and we were talking about Bible study habits and, you know, well, we asked them the question, you know, how often do you study the Bible? And one of them would say, oh, you know, once a week. And, and, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, you, you, I mean, I'm thinking in the, in the sense of being here in America, I have my smartphone, I can pull this thing up anytime I want. Yeah. This thing is in my pocket. Well, they, I mean, this, this man would say that, okay, well, I wake up at 3 a.m., I go to the field to get some food for the family, I get back home, I eat breakfast with the family, then I go to the field to work all day long, and when I get back home, we eat dinner, and we have no electricity at home. Wow. So it's kind of hard to do that. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I think, what are our excuses over <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, right. Uh, so that was one thing where um, I really realized how much I take for granted the technology that we have and then the time that we have here to be able to dig into God's word. Um, the other thing uh, would be when we were talking about studying the, Bi- studying the Bible and going through certain passages, interpreting those. And as we started, I started asking them, well, what do you think this passage means? Or, you know, and we'd read a passage, say, for example, about God's faithfulness. And I'd say, what do you, what does it mean? And they would come up these off the wall answers, you know, God is good or God is holy. And, you know, in reading the passage, I'm like, well, how did you get to that point? What I realized is they didn't know what the answer was. I mean, it was a little bit of poetry in, in the passage and everything. And so I started to realize is that the reason why it's easier for me to pick it up is because of the education that we get. And, you know, going through, you know, in high school, reading through Shakespeare and different poetry and having to write papers on this stuff. I mean, back then I was thinking, wow, what a waste of my time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd rather not be doing this, yeah. you know. I'd rather be playing outside. But, you know, in doing that and going through those exercises, going through that rigor, I realized it was training me to be able to critically think about what I'm reading. Yeah. And we do that inherently nowadays but they didn't; they weren't equipped with that same kind of uh, education. Yeah, a lot of times for us, it's, it, it boils down to just laziness, right? We can we can read a passage or we can do our daily Bible reading, and uh, in our mind, we're like, "Why is that there? Like, you know, why why is this this specific chapter here in the Bible where it's placed?" And we don't do the the legwork of. We, we can critically think of why it's there, but then we don't do the legwork of saying like, okay, let me go do some deeper study to find out exactly why it's there where uh, we have that luxury. We just sometimes are lazy about it and don't do it. They don't have that luxury to even critically think, so they just sort of take it at face value and they think they're doing the right thing. Um, so yeah, that, that would be uh, convicting. And it was convicting for me to hear from you of like, yeah, I, I had that ability to think, but to me it boils down to laziness. To them, you know, they might not have electricity, uh, 
Um, so just something to give thanks to God. For. Well, and even resources like you guys think of, of your study Bibles. Chris mentioned having access to the Bible on your phone. You can get the ESV Study Bible app. You can uh, you know, go to these, these free resources that we have at our fingertips, literally. And uh, I remember talking with, uh, with Lucas Pace, who went on the trip as well, and he said they've got one study Bible that's been translated into their language, wow. and they don't even really have access to that. I mean, it's not like they've got a bookstore around the corner they can go and pick that up from or jump on Amazon.com and order it. Um, and so the, the opportunity to put these things in their hands, these uh, materials in their hands, man, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's such a, a good thing for, for, uh, uh, for everyone to, to, to be vested in and have that interest in. Yeah, and Chris, you can you can just hear your passion, and I know you had a great time on that trip, and there was a, there was a lot of takeaways. If you could boil it down to what, what was your biggest takeaway from this trip, uh, what, what what would you say that would be? Wow, you know, um, going <clears throat> going to Rwanda, uh, being in a foreign place, being jet lagged, uh, feeling the pressure of what we needed to do over there, it was weighty. You know, you started to think, wow, we are really coming over here across the world to teach this. And I mean, I felt that pressure. And I knew God was, you know, we needed to depend on God on it. But it gave me a higher sense of my dependency on God. I'd go to sleep at night, and for whatever reason, um, I couldn't figure it out. You know, I'd sleep three, four hours a night. We'd be up all day teaching, and my back was hurting. You know, I, I was exhausted. And I just remember thinking, God, I need you. I need you to work through us, God. Uh, give us what we need to, to accomplish your will. And so that, it, it was a heightened sense of that. And additionally, it's just, I started to realize being on a mission, just the word mission, maybe we don't think about that in that way, but we have a purpose, mm -hmm. a very focused purpose to accomplish that goal. And so it made me realize, well, how am I focusing when I'm back home, yeah, you know, do I really have that intentionality in reaching out to people yeah. and talking about Christ? And it was convicting for me. I said, man, if I really put my mind to that and I really focus my energies, what can be accomplished? Right. Paul talks about uh, the thorn in his flesh and, and how that was driving him to be dependent on the Lord. And there's questions about what that is and what that was. But one of the statements that he makes in that context is he says, look, I learned to realize that my Weakness allows God's strengths to be magnified in my life, um, and and that's awesome, and that's what we want for us here in the United States. It's we're, our faith is really in an incubator, so to speak. I mean, it's it's pretty easy for us to be here. It's pretty easy for us to get comfortable. It's pretty easy for us to grow lax, grow lazy, to forget about, like Chris just said, we're on mission here just as much as you are when you're in Rwanda. Um, and so as we think about that, man, it's, it's important that we understand that, that, uh, that we need to be wary of, of being lulled into the sense of spiritual slumber because it's easy to be a believer here. And, you know, we talk about, well, it's getting harder because of politics and this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and yeah, it is. And, and who knows where we're going to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. But right now, it's so easy for us to fall into the mindset of, of being a cultural believer, and so it's, it's great to hear, it's encouraging to hear, it's challenging for us to hear when somebody like Chris comes back from uh, a mission trip like this and says, guys, we need to wake up and we need to, to realize that, that we need to be just as dependent on the Lord here as they are there or as somebody in, in, on the front lines of missions anywhere is um, because that's what we're called to. But, but how can we, beyond just 
hearing from testimonies from from people who've gone on mission trips. How can we make sure that uh, that we're making an impact uh, locally, but but especially globally uh, in the field of missions? The first thing you need to do is be more educated on it. And what I mean by that is, is, is read the news. As hard as it might be to read the news on what's happening outside of America, uh, it, it's it's gut-wrenching sometimes to see how our Christian family is suffering overseas, but that leads us to more prayer. That leads us to just more visibility on how we can support, how we can pray, how we can sponsor missions trips for people. And so reading the news as hard as it may be is, is one thing. The other thing is read about missionaries. We're blessed to have Chris here this morning just sharing you know, what he experienced over there, but there's so many stories about great American Christian missionaries that have gone overseas, and they could have had it easy. They had it lined up, some of them, to be a senior pastor of a church here, but they felt God calling them to go overseas and and do the work uh, for the Lord to people that may never hear it um, if it weren't for them going over there. Uh, So some of those authors uh, or biographies that we have are Jim Elliott is a great one, Hudson Taylor, um, is another one, and then Adoniram Judson. Uh, they all have little small reads that you can even read with your kids if you have them, but quick reads just to get more of a, an eye-opening experience of like what missionaries go through, because uh, sometimes we think it's, oh, it's just all fun and games, and it's glorious, and it's tough work, um, and it's good to be able to know what it's about so you can know how to be praying. Yeah, absolutely. Some uh, some other resources, Kellen mentioned uh, reading the news, um, the uh, the Voice of the Martyrs is a great resource for that. It's a, a website that you can go on. You can actually get an, an, an email subscription there um, for free where they will send you updates on what's going on with missionaries. Uh, Operation World is a great book that you can pick up um, if you search Operation World. That'll give you uh, statistics on nations all over the, the globe that uh, need Christ, and it will walk through here's the primary religions in these nations, here's how many adherents there are to each of these, here's how many Christians there are, this is the percentage of the population, here's ways that you can pray for them, this is the level of persecution that's going on. So again, that's called Operation World. Uh, dads, this is a great resource for you to grab and keep on the the, the dining table um, where you guys sit down for your meals and maybe you know, each morning grab it, open it up, pick out a, a country and, and pray for them with your, your family. It's a great way to teach your kids also about what's going on in the world. Uh, another resource um, is called From Jerusalem to Irian Jaya. It's I-R-I-A-N-J-A-Y-A. Uh, it's a biographical history of Christian missions. So that's just going to give you an overview, a 30,000-foot view of the history of missions and what that's looked like, just to, to deepen your understanding and perspective of it um, uh, along those lines. Chris, how about uh, some of your thoughts on, on how we can be more involved globally? I think if you were to sponsor a mission trip, Right? and sponsor either prayerfully or financially. I think um, when you get involved in that way, uh, you're contributing to that. And so, um, yeah. And you actually experienced that through this most recent one in, in going to Rwanda. You had some people in your life step up and, and uh, contribute to that for you. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, We had to raise a certain amount of money, and I was thinking there's just no way I'm going to be able to do this. And I was right. It wasn't me that was going to do it. It was, right. it was God. And so just praying through that um, and just knowing that, you know, once I put it out there, the money just started to flow in. And I was like, wow, I couldn't believe that this kind of money was flowing in from friends, but even the folks that I ran with, mm-hmm. you know, just we worked out together and they, they heard about what I was doing. 
Um, and some of them stepped up. I mean, I think in the order of like $800 uh, from, from friends that I ran with. And they can see the importance of it. So, yeah, that's awesome. W- one thing, just as, as we're kind of landing the plane here, uh, there's a book that John Piper wrote called Let the Nations Be Glad. And it's a book on missions and on the in- importance of missions. And I love a statement that he makes in there. He says, missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. And, and I bring that up, and you're saying, well, that sounds like you're slamming missions on a podcast all about missions. But really, it's, it's not. It's what's the goal of, of all of this? The goal is to see more people become worshipers of God more people become followers of Christ, more people who are going to be there on that final day when there is no more uh, ability to, to witness and to share Christ because the end has come. Um, that's when missions will be no more. And we want to, in the meantime, see as many people come to Christ as possible. Uh, and we don't know when that, uh, as our senior pastor talks about filling up the bus, right? That the bus is, the, the seats are being taken as, as people get saved and eventually the last seat's going to be taken and, and Christ is going to come back for his church. We don't know when that day is, and that could be today. Um, it could be a, somebody that God's going to bring into your life today to share the gospel with. Uh, it could be the, the mission trip that you're getting ready to go on, and you're going to go fly halfway across the world, and you're going to share the gospel with somebody there, and they're going to come to faith in Christ at, at that point. Uh, we don't know when it is, but again, the goal of, uh, of missions is to see people become worshipers of God, and, and that needs to be our aim and our focus. And so, uh, Chris, what an awesome opportunity. Are you uh, looking to go back at some point? Yeah, I'd love to go back, God willing. Um, I, I think I'd share one thing. Uh, my brother, actually, who's a believer, went to Thailand a few years back, and I remember when he got back, he was so excited. Um, and he's pretty introverted. He's pretty quiet. And so I was saying, I just, I want to go back there. I want to share the gospel with them. And I said, you know, bro, like, you need to, how about with your neighbors? Are you sharing with your neighbors? And he's like, no. I was like, you know, pray for you to have a same passion for your neighbors. And I think it's just unfortunate in some ways, some people think that they can only, it's limited to, oh, I need to go travel elsewhere. You can just walk across the street or walk next door, engage with somebody else, be friendly, give them a smile, and then turn it toward talking about eternity, talking about God. I think we fail to uh, capitalize on those opportunities. So just want to encourage you with that. Yeah, that's a great closing reminder, man. You are on mission, um, as Chris said at the beginning of this. And uh, and your neighborhood, your workplace, your gym, as we talked about last episode, is your mission field. Your life is your mission field. So we'll be praying for you and praying that you have uh, opportunities even today as you listen to this and, and go wherever you're going next, uh, that God will provide you opportunities to point people to Christ, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to see more people become worshipers of God. Amen.